Money Rules or Money Rules. Here at Hold My Wealth, we are all about empowering financial success in our community of listeners. We hope you find today's topic both informative and helpful. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast from Help My Wealth, Money Rules, Money Rules. I'm your host, Stephen Logan, and as always, I have with me Hamish Ferguson. Hamish, thank you for coming. Not a problem. Loving being here. And our special guest today is Dr. Marty Chi and Dr. Kathy Wu. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No problems. Dr. Marty Chi is the Associate Professor of Finance at the University of Newcastle and is currently the Academic Director of the Tax Clinic at the University of Newcastle. The Tax Clinic provides pro bono tax advice and services for unrepresented and disadvantaged individuals as well as small business uh, in the Hunter region. Marty has also authored over 20 articles and research in the area of finance and related subjects. Dr. Kathy Wu has completed her PhD at the, at the Australian National University and lectures now at the University of Newcastle Business School since 2019. Today we're going to be talking about the Financial Wellbeing and Life Satisfaction Report and Kathy was one of the authors for that. So thank you both for coming. Mm, thank you. Great. So please, first question I wanted to ask you, Kathy, was what was the idea behind the research? Where did it sort of come from? Yeah, so where should I start? I think the most, I think one thing that's very important to everyone is like financial literacy. But mm -hmm. if you think about like talk to like people about this topic, they might be first the reaction is like intimidated by it mm. because I'm not sure if you know people who around you have talked about like sound like talk things like oh I'm not a like number person like I'm not really good at math mm. and then therefore they will think that finance is everything that related to number then they will be try to avoid about it mm. so that's why but if you ask us it's actually not true right you don't have to be a math genius to be actually obtain good financial knowledge so actually I it's not like you have to be very good at math like you need to do mm. all the calculation but actually so that's why i think to helping people to reduce their fear in terms of when they try to deal with numbers also like more maybe accurately is like when they deal with their money will be a very important thing in my opinion so I was quite fortunate to have this opportunity to work with the Greater Bank. Actually, we have conducted survey back in 2021. So which we're looking to, you know, for the Australian, our, you know, to look at every like, general Australians to see what kind of financial situation they're at. And it's actually during the pandemic, right? So in 2021, it's actually given us a good opportunity to look into when people facing these stressful situations, mm. how they actually do with, mm. with their finance. And also, um, because this survey is done with the Greater Bank, so it's likely that it will cover a good proportion of people actually coming from the Hunter region. Mm. So, and this might be a little bit different from maybe other surveys that we have from maybe some other institution, because we all know it's different from you know people from maybe larger cities like you know Sydney or Melbourne that. Actually, hunter regions, we have people that are more likely to come in from a relatively you know, disadvantaged social and economic backgrounds. Mm. So that's why I think this report actually will be the information inside in this report will be helpful to those people who actually like most needed the help mm -hmm. in terms of financial literacy and advice. And that's why we had this 
research. So was there anything in particular that, you know, obviously when you start a research, we all have bias. We all have ideas of what we think is going to come out yes. and what it's going to look like. Was there anything in the research that you were quite surprised by or you didn't think would, would come out but did come out? Yeah, I think this is if like when we first start to analyse everything, there are two things I think in summary with maybe we think is quite and not unexpected but quite interesting to talk about. I think there are two aspects. So the first thing is that our young adults are suffering. Mm. So if you want to look at the statistics um, mm. from our reports, that 43% of the young adults, which is in the age group about 18 to 24 years old, actually are struggling to pay their debt obligations. Mm. So by personal debt obligations is what we, if you want to think about for a person, if they're renting, they may be struggling paying their rent. If they already buy a house, they will be struggling paying them. Mm. mortgage or in terms of also that application like if you have credit card you cannot make a credit card payment things like that also more extreme is that if you have personal loan then that's like if you mm. can't pay these so these are debt obligations which may be and like 43 percent of the young people it seems like struggling to do that mm. the second point here is also it seems like a thing from the research that we find that it seems like the need for men and women in terms of how to improve their finance is a bit different. Mm. So let me explain. Okay, so here when we look at the result in terms of you know, financial literacy in Australia, so if you want to think about financial literacy in terms of the knowledge about finance, it's like 100%. So for an maybe average um or average Aussie women, so they will know about 54% of this knowledge. Okay, so it's like maybe half, just more mm -hmm. than half. So not seem to be a lot, but for these women, actually, they are very good at applying this knowledge and making very sound um, financial decisions. For example, they have savings and they have good financial behaviors. But on the other side, if you think about an average male, mm. okay, in Australia, they will have about, you know, still this whole, in terms of knowledge, in terms of what we look at, like a whole knowledge, you, they will know about 70% of this knowledge, financial mm. knowledge or literacy. But things yeah, like they have this knowledge, right, they know these things, but, but on the other side, they seems like not really applying these things into their daily financial, you know, decision makings. Yeah. Okay, so they actually have relatively less, you know, sound financial behavior. So that's what I found quite surprising. Yeah, yeah. For you, Hamish, was there anything in particular that stood out to you that was surprising in the study? Um, yeah, look, I think for me, uh, actually the concept, I think one of the statistics was that um, if you're married, you generally feel like you've got a higher level of financial stability. I think that was one of the, the, mm. the points that came out. Um, it's interesting that home ownership um, also plays, that, like that's a bit of a, a changer as well, that once you buy your home. But uh, I'm wondering whether there's a chance that um, it, it's a little bit biased in the sense that, well, that person that actually buys their home um, might have a higher level of financial literacy already, which has helped them actually achieve that goal. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I think maybe this will link more related to like later points. We do in terms of the financial literacy, mm -hmm. it can accumulate over time as well. Yes. So that's why, and then you will be using that. You will, when you need to, like when you're still very young, for example, in the age category of 18 and 24 years old, 
you just become a young adult, right? So before that, you won't be able to have a lot of time or chance, right? So you may be living with your parents and then like you don't, may not even need to rent. So, and then most of your, you know, financial decision to make maybe is how to use my pocket money, mm-hmm. right? So it's quite natural that you will have very limited um, chance to make these kind of finance-related decisions. Then you can't really expect people like when they just grow up, become 18, and then, then they can just know everything, how, mm-hmm. how to do everything. But then, so it's only when there's things like these decisions that they need to start to make, like for example, start renting or buy a home, then they will be need to do like they know that actually they need to find out what should do they do. So at the time, one thing they might try to do is they can use everything they already know to do it. But then the other thing maybe they will try to do maybe is like they can try to upskill themselves. Right? Mm, yeah. So that's where then they, they can maybe start to ask friends maybe initially and then they might come to professional advice maybe mm. like like your broker or something like that or maybe they will start to do a further study so actually not everyone will be learning the financial literacy at the same time so i think it's more not about marriage security per se it's more it's only when you you start to make have these decisions you need to make then you start to kind of know or need knowledge and then i will yeah. So it's almost like a like an age thing. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, you, you sort of as you get older, you start to get more knowledge, and so you start to feel more comfortable in regards to you know your financial stability. So most people that would be getting a home wouldn't be twenty one. Yeah. You know, most people yeah. getting married are not twenty one. They're sort of getting to their thirties or, or heading from there. I know for myself, um, one of the things I found really interesting is when I read the study, I, I assumed that financial literacy was not going to be really high and that there was going to be problems. So I, I assumed that was going to be the case. But what I found most surprising was that it was actually, um, you talked about um, financial literacy in, re- in relation to behaviour changes. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, a lot of uh, men, for instance, have quite good literacy but don't actually enact on it. It's, it's that behaviour change that actually creates the difference, whereas the women... Um, you know, were enacting on their behaviour, like on their literacy more than what, than what the men were, which I found quite surprising. I, I hadn't thought about that whole thing mm-hmm. of knowledge compared to actually, you know, behaviour yeah. and, and, and what you do from there. Yeah. So, so I, I guess it's also uh, maybe we can talk or we know about this, we can mm-hmm. relate as a man that sometimes <laughs> men are more overconfident about our own abilities. Oh, unteachable. Totally. Unteachable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So, um, arrogant would be another word for it. <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, true. one of the things I'm not sure, you know, between the two of us, we've got 12 children, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, so he, he's beat me by a couple, but you know, so we've almost got enough for a research base just amongst those kids. But he's got, what, Four six girls and one team. boy? Six wow. girls, one boy, yeah. Oh. Right? So, yeah. um, so, you know, and at the, at the ages of our children are quite similar, right? Mm-hmm. So, except for, for the youngest two. So, um, it's interesting when we've compared stories over the years, you know, in terms of where each bracket of child is up to and mm-hmm. and I can I can definitely um, tell you that there's the number of times I've gone home to my kids yeah. and said, you know, I'm trying to help you here. Do you realise people pay me for this information? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, do they listen to you? No. No, exactly. no they, don't. they don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really making a good effort already. But oh. I think I want to come back to the point first, like yes. in terms of the knowledge and pattern, like behavioral pattern. Mm. So I think we are all now come to this very important, I think, maybe concept we never really realized, but it's like both gaining the knowledge mm. and also have a behavioral pattern is very important to ultimately increase our, you know, kind of financial well-being mm. and general life satisfaction. So because I want to give a little bit more insight mm -hmm. into in terms of not only the literacy level, but also um, how people feel about their finance like mm. in different age group as well. So, hope to, sorry to get into a bit more. No, no, we things, can see the passion. Get, we can see <laughs> the passion. Get into a bit more statistic, like give you some numbers, and then maybe the listener can learn a bit more about it, not just the general mm. knowledge, but also have some backup of that. Mm. So here, uh, if you want to look at, I'm not sure how, like what is the, maybe for the intense audience, what kind of age group is they are in. But here for, like when we look at the reports, that we have like those people, these first from like women's age between maybe 18 to 44, which is like early adulthood or mid adulthood, you know, women's. Mm -hmm. So we talk about they have to have less financial literacy just now. And then they are in general, if you want to scale, put a, put their like satisfaction into a scale of one to 10, 10 being extremely satisfied, they in on average will give a score of 5.5. So mm. it's like quite just in the middle, like yeah. not really sure. Like, oh, okay, maybe I'm mm. not sure what I'm to not, say. I'm not feeling really good. I'm not feeling really bad. I'm just, uh, I'm just in yeah, the middle there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and then if you want to put into perspective what kind of like women they they look like, they say they're likely to be these working maybe young adults or maybe even working moms mm -hmm. or moms like, and then they have these already. We already talk about like good saving habits, mm. and they will try their best to pay their bills, mm. but at the same time they don't. They have a li relatively limited knowledge, right? So, and then we understand these like financial wealth is not something you can you know get just by one day or accumulate in one day or one year. So that's why they're more likely to be more anxious. Like I'm not sure mm -hmm. it's good or not. So they might be anxious about their financial position without knowing they actually has been doing a very good investment into mm -hmm. their future. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to take this opportunity to actually say to these younger or maybe mid-age women that actually they are doing well and by maybe gaining more knowledge to give them mm. reinsurance that they can be confident they are already in a journey of you know improving their financial positions. Also, these you know, knowledge will be helping them also in their journey maybe to achieve their goals a little bit faster as well yeah. but then on the other side for men <laughs> so in terms of like we already talk about like you guys are maybe rather more confident so the scores like are for an average man between age 18 to 44 like they will have a score a between about six on average 6.5 out of 10. so you're more towards like satisfied mm. with mm. your finance side right and also I think some part is this will be related to also because maybe we will also pick up for men's maybe you guys are more good at numeric scores like because for our how we measure financial literacy we do definitely incorporate these things as well like in terms of had these questions so and then so but you guys have this skill to do it mm -hmm. but then maybe when you're actually making these decisions 
maybe there's less that you know incorporate into when you buy a bigger purchase things like that actually then the size which we just talked about maybe on the side note the intense of how much risk you're willing to want to take for your finance it might be actually uh, related as well because we do find that actually males are more likely to be risk taking during like when they before mid mid during um from mid a to um early to mid age group mm. they're more risk taking than females but the and then yeah this might explain a little bit the story here mm. as well but then another maybe things maybe need to a little bit alarming about this been for men so their satisfaction in terms of their financial position actually decreased after they you know become like a bit older, like after retirement, like 65 year old. Do you, think, do you think that's because they've been so risk-taking in the early years? Maybe, they haven't yeah. been as as careful and as planned as, say, say females in general. They get to sort of 45, 50 and they go, oh, what <laughs> have I right. done? <laughs> so that's why I'm, yeah, they might ex- like explain a part of the story. I yes. think that's the point I try to make as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can confirm something that from a financial planning or a superannuation point of view, yes. um, there was a research survey done where they compared uh, men and women. Yes. And um, women ended up having a better return on their super. And they went backwards and went, wow, why? All right. And apparently one of the stark um, things from a behaviour point of view is men like to tinker. So the women would just go, I'm just going to leave it alone and let it do its thing, where the men would overcompensate by trying to make changes all the time to get it to work better and in effect would actually reduce the performance because they okay. were typically not educated enough on what changes to make or whether they yes. should even make changes in the first place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so that's, you know, fits in there somewhere, you yeah. know, in yes, terms yes. of that whole um, behaviour. Sometimes, you know, the, the whole men like to fix it, right, can yes. be a, a, a bit of an issue at times. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, look, one of the things I wanted to bring you back to as well is, yeah. um, you know, not just your report but but other, other researchers have showing that uh, young people have the lowest levels of financial literacy in, yeah. in Australia. And um, I think sometimes at, at, at face value, you can sort of go, oh, the young people, you know, that generation just isn't isn't smart <laughs> or whatever else. But in reality, it's, it's the fact that as time goes on and the older someone gets, the more confident they feel in their financial mm-hmm. literacy because they've actually bought a house, they've done an investment, they've mm-hmm. sorted out their super, they've maybe gone through interest rate rises and, and, and low lows. You know, they've, they've had this experience. And so one of the things that we're trying to talk to people about is to go um, getting financial literacy early mm. is actually going to help like push you forward in where you're at like why wait till you're 50 to go I feel a bit more confident about where I am when you could actually you know do that when you when you're younger and I think that's one of the things that your report showed quite well is that um you know um our our formal education system doesn't really talk a lot about personal um, finances. So we do government finances, we do all those sort of macro things, but when it comes to your own cash flow, your own budget, uh, you know, how to buy a house, how to look at interest rates, we, it just doesn't get covered at all. And so the only way you know about it is, like you mentioned, friends, uh, family, or if you actually then go and learn, learn yourself somewhere. 
Yes, I think we already covered why there might be an issue, like potential difficulty for people who just become adults, like in 18 to 24, who mm. uh, have less exposure in terms of potential decision making, like they don't really have a chance to make this decision. So that's why I think one of the programs, which actually the Greater Bank has been doing, we collaborate mm. with University of Newcastle, is that we have this financial literacy program. They actually have these ambassadors who are going to high schools to teach high, you know, high school yeah. students these the basic finance skills. And yeah. did you, and did you, did they find that that um, young people were receptive for that, or how did that sort of go in in reality? Personally, I'm not directly really like yeah. involved into how they receive, so I can't really comment mm. on this part. Mm. But I think they have been running that for quite a few years. Like I think yeah. for five years, we're like starting a new phrase again. Like next five years. Yes. It's starting. So, but it seems like I think as it has been running quite for five years, I think it's definitely have some audience, and then people do start to see the benefit of that, and that's why they are doing these things anyway. And it's nice to see a big banking institution like the Greater actually going and you know out to schools and doing that and funding that and asking the university to you know do reports and to fund that as well. You know, yeah, that's quite so, helpful. Yeah. So, Kathy, it was, it was no big surprise that, um, you know, you found that there were people that were struggling to pay their debt and obligations. Uh, one of the things I found interesting was that, you know, people between the ages of 18 and 24 um, stated that they, they felt they had the, you know, they, they were finding it hardest to pay their obligations compared to older people, yet um, people that are of a younger age tend to have lower obligations. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely about a feeling, um, you know, more than, than the actual amount of, of mm -hmm. debt that they yeah. have. Um, what was the findings in regards to that? Yes, actually, I did some do more, some analysis to find out these things as yep. well. Actually, it's a very in interesting question they've been asking because we really want to see definitely not only the financial level of like, you know, financial, the money impact about on people, but also how they feel, right? Because we have been talking about these stress level mm. a lot now in the society. So I did do some research, a bit more analysis, but please bear with me to explain a little bit more. <laughs> so then, so if like, cause in the survey, we actually asked five questions related yes. to whether you are experiencing something we call financial hardship. Okay, so let me explain these categories first. So the first category, the question we ask is, do you feel that you are not able to pay your utility bill? So that's the first one. And then the second one is, have you actually um, uh, asked for government assistance in terms of the, you know, the hardship funding assistance? Yep. Have you applied? Then the third one category is actually have you received them because yep. just merely applying and receiving is a different mm. story, right? mm. different level. So that's why it's two separate category. And also the fourth one is I do struggle to pay a loan in the last 12 months of so the mortgage. So that's just the fourth one. And the last one is in the last 12 months, have you been asking your, your family or friends for financial help. Mm. Like that's another category. So to do an, to do some analysis, we kind of have these five categories, right? So, so what we found is when we look at all these five categories, so when you have more categories that you are struggling with, right? So you're actually dealing with more than one, these kind of issues, then how you feel about your finance, right? And also, overall life satisfaction is will be decreased and let me give you some stats so bear with me so in terms of for um average australian so with one 
the additional category of issue they have. Okay, so their feeling of you know their financial well-being will be decreased by twenty-eight percent mm. if you rank it out of hundred. So that's a very big emotional stress, right? Yeah. And then if you look at their overall life satisfaction, it's actually so by just having their finance, right? They have one more the category of issues, so they have one layer of issues. It will decrease their overall feeling about life satisfaction by nine percent. That's still mm. a lot, right? Nine percent mm. of their life. And then let's talk about our group, which is we concern about, which is the young people, like 18 to 24. So does that in terms of how this will make them to be more stressful or increase to more than like 30% mm. for every one category? So it's not only about the money. So each category of increase. Like it's a compounding yeah, effect, isn't it? That's you know, right. Like you have a problem in one area and then, and then you have it in another area, then another area, and, and, it, and it really does you know, get to a point where you feel like you can't get out from under it. That's mm. right. And then it's really give you a big burden, mm. which might be having some ripical impact. On people's did, life. did you find at all that um, you know, uh, especially for younger people, a lot of their debt is not a mortgage, it's not an investment property, it's not big things like that. But it tends to be, uh, you know, from my experience and from what I've seen and read, uh, okay. things like zip pay or the afterpay or, or those sorts of things where they've seen, I've moved into a new house, I really want this lounge. <laughs> and they go and get it on zip pay, but then they've got to spend the next year or longer trying to pay this off. Do you know what I mean? Is that yeah. is that the sort of you know loan stress that a lot of younger people were having? Yeah, I think Marty can yes. really a big expert on this part. Yes, so yeah, that, that's right. That that's uh, increasing use of those buy now pay later platform because yes. they're not assessed as credit in the past, yes. which has which the government has changed from the start of this year. Right. So the, so so this actually I guess create a false perception among young people that oh even if I do use the buy now pay later platforms I'm not really incurring any debt which is not true <laughs> yes. because those platforms actually have like penalties and account management fees which quite is large penalties yes. and quite yeah. large fees as yes. well you uh, know yes that's right if we do convert that as an interest rate percentage it's actually much higher Mm. interest rate let's say on a credit card mm. so that's why i guess um the government also sees the issues especially among young people using those platforms and hence they have started to regulate as a credit product starting from this year so that would mean that um it's, it's harder for those platforms to to you know, put out loans. They've got to get more information from the client and actually, um, you know, evaluate them higher. Is that is that what's happening? Yeah. So um, it means that they have to perform a credit check, yeah. like how we would uh, have to do if we apply for credit cards. Gotcha. Because I found um, sometimes you talk to some people and they don't just have one afterpay. They have. Mm -hmm. You know, a zip pay for their um, lounge. You know, I mean, they've got some sort of afterpay for their computer. They've got, you know, they end up having three or four or five of these compounding loans, and they're twenty-four years old, and you know, and their loan rate is 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 quite is quite high. So I imagine the stress of that feeling like you've got to meet those obligations would be would be very hard and disconcerting. Yeah. So I've got a question around this, but it's probably going to change tax slightly. All right, go for it. I'm not quite sure which of you will this apply to, but <laughs> I'm interested in just whether there was anything that came out of this about the the culture of Australians about their propensity to be feel comfortable talking about whether it's financial mm. literacy or debt or where they get help and things like that. We we often reflect on the Americans and how they're very. Um, you know, open. Yeah. All right. So, and Australians tend to be quite um, closed when it comes to things that they're not 
comfortable with. Mm. Is that something that came out at all or that you've done any work on or not really? So I think that's not something we have thought about, mm -hmm. not currently in the report, but it might be interesting for us to actually go back to the original survey to see is there any question that actually pick up this point. But I understand where you're coming from. Mm. I do feel like especially at um, um, Aussie men, mm -hmm. they need to be very, they are very, you know, like Aussie blogs. They are like putting everything together. They were like, they always like put, they just have everything together, not really showing too much, mm -hmm. <laughs> no stress, you know. So that's Everything's why. It, good here, yeah, don't yeah, here. you don't, don't need to. Don't look, everything's fine. <laughs> so, like, then even <laughs> when they need help, how they can start to asking. Yeah. And it's not in, actually embarrassing to ask mm. how to start with this kind of conversation might be quite helpful but mm. yeah so it's definitely something you should be in mm. quite important and i think worth to look at yeah and i think just as a general point one of the things that we've got to do with whether it's money or i'm sure there's lots of other topics that we could bring this across with yeah. is just that whole breaking the stigma of being able to talk about what you don't know about yeah. none of us can be experts in everything That's right. Mm. Right? so um so whether it's you know money or nutrition or health or whatever it happens to be um that you know we we really want to be able to say to people, you know, talk to somebody that knows what they're doing, you know. So That's right. I think social media has made that worse because, you know, from a social media point of view, you, you you put your face up and everyone looks at it and goes, oh, wow, isn't Marty doing well? <laughs> like, look at his car, look at look at him playing with his kids at the beach or, you know, whatever's happening. Look at him having fun with his family and you don't know if that's true or, or not true. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the persona that you've put out. And so, therefore, other people then feel that they have to also put forward that persona so it's very hard to then come to someone who you've seen on Facebook is doing so well to then go to say to them oh, I'm actually not you know I'm struggling under this death or I'm having a relationship mm -hmm. problem or I'm whatever else because you can't talk to anyone because everyone's perfect you know everyone's perfect so it makes it makes it really hard but look Marty I wanted to um, circle back to the to the afterpay and to that sort of good debt versus bad debt I know that you've had um, a bit of interactions with that and um, can you explain to the audience you know from a financial point of view what do we call good debt what do we call bad debt yeah so I guess I'm from the perspective of I guess our finance theory so taking on some form of debt is actually good because it helps us to leverage mm -hmm. and in a, in a way improve our profitability yep. like of, uh, I guess of your small businesses or is of, of a, a company and uh, so this is why you can actually see that uh, for if you look at financial reports of companies they would uh, almost all of them would have some form of debt yes. that helps them yeah. to grow their businesses so this is why uh, back to your question about good and bad debt in terms of personal finance definitely there will be this distinction mm -hmm. so generally good debt are those that actually help you to invest so it can be either investment into yourself mm -hmm. or investment into something or some investments that actually help you to grow your net wealth in the long run. So some example could be, let's say, uh, education loan, yep. right? so that you're investing in yourself to yep. get the knowledge. That so tax debt would call a good debt? Uh, in general, in general. Yeah, in general. So if, uh, of course, you can't just do any degree or course that you're not interested in. Yes. It needs to be something that you're passionate about. Yes. Right? So for example, I'm passionate about finance and accounting. So that's why this. So you didn't do veterinarian. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely <laughs> no. So it's not something. So I think that's, uh, that's, that's not something that I'll be able to be passionate about. Yep. So that's so that's why, of course, right, so education is important, but yep. it's important to do something that you are passionate about yes. so that you are be able to have fun and I guess yep. um, 
have a greater career prospect mm. based on that, um, I guess, career path. Yes. Right. So some other examples include uh, mortgage. Yep. Right. So yep. of course, right. So it needs to be bearable. So it needs yes. to be something that you can afford to pay. But it is an investment in an asset class property yep. that has uh, some, uh, I guess, uh, growth potential, especially yes. over the long run. Yep. Right. So some examples of bad debts are those that you actually incur now as part of your expenses so that you feel good. Like lifestyle living. Yes, lifestyle. Yeah. For example, yeah. you might want to, let's say, use Zip or Afterpay to fund your expensive holiday yes. Yes. Yeah, or trips. <laughs> and then uh, even though you have no money, Yes. To pay for, to pay for it. So right it was now. a great four weeks. Yeah, but was, now you got to you know pay for it for the next yeah. you know yeah. year. For the next year, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then and because uh because of the recurring interest rate, it might take yeah. you a really long time if you keep rolling over your debt actually, right? So those are considered as bad debt. And another example is actually let's say if you do take on some personal loans mm -hmm. with really uh, a really high interest rate. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's really, I guess, it goes back to the point about the importance of financial literacy because you do need to be aware of the interest rates that you're paying on your various loans mm -hmm. uh, and also the uh, debt repayment structure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've come across people who um, have created bad debt with, with these platforms like Afterpay, ZipPay, things like that. Mm. Uh, they then transfer that to a, a credit card that's yeah. like at a, at a $0 oh interest God. for six yeah. months or something like that to try and pay it down, but they don't tend to pay it down. And then, yes. they've, got, then they've got high interest rates yes, exactly. and they have to transfer it to another credit card or another, and they just oh. sort of this rolling ball. Have you have you found that, Hamish, with mm. people? Oh, definitely. There's been, we've had clients that have gone on that path yeah. um, so you know but the one I find quite grey which has really crept in over the last probably 10 to 20 years is where somebody's bought a home right but then they start using mortgages for lifestyle mm. yeah all right. So using the equity. Well, yeah. So and it, it starts off with I want to renovate renovate my house. Okay. All right. To now I want to put a pool in. All right. Mm. To oh, can I put my car on it? All right, so, and and then, you know, it might be I'm going overseas or a holiday, so, you know, and I think it's it's this, um, you know, we start off with this black and white concept of good debt, bad debt, mm -hmm. but especially with homes and equities and especially in Australia, I guess, because um, property prices have generally yep. um, favoured people, mm -hmm. right, that, oh, this equity is mine, so I can use it for whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's uh, and so I don't know is that something that you've you've reflected on or have you got any thoughts around that in terms of good debt bad debt we could be this could be a, a bit of a dangerous conversation to get into but, you know. <laughs> yeah so yeah I get your point so I guess um yeah so you're right that uh, so people are going to think that oh this is my equity anyway so it's like part of my money in mm. a way but they don't really or they actually don't come to realize in a way that I have to pay interest if I take equity. Off, mm. uh, out um, and use it to fund my let's say expensive holidays mm. or some luxury goods, right? So I guess um of course right. So it, it even though it is in a more grey area, but I guess uh, ultimately right. So the purpose of these loans is to be is actually used to fund something that does not generate wealth over the long run. Mm. So that's why that goes back to the point about the importance yeah. of financial literacy. Right. So what are you really using the money or the debt for? Is it, mm. is it something that you are investing in yourself? Or uh, I guess asset classes that have more 
more like a growth potential for the long run. Mm -hmm. Good. Look, I wanted to move on to one area of the research which looked at financial planning, and there was a line in the in the research that I really loved. It actually said, um, you know, when it comes to creating financial goals, essentially you're enjoying life now but controlling your spending to plan for your future. Okay. You know, and that was a really well, really well worded um, way of, of of how to create a financial goal, isn't it? You know, it's it's about making sure that you're still being able to do what you want to do now, mm -hmm. but making sure that you're still planning for the future and not ignoring that. Yeah. So, you know, for you, um, Marty, you know, setting financial goals, how, how important is that, do you think, for people, particularly in early years as they, as they lead on? Yeah, so I think that's really important because, um, of course, in finance, we talk a lot about this compounding effect. Yes. So if you start to invest from a younger age, it means that over the next 30, 40 years, it's going to compound a real into a really big sum. Yeah. Uh, so that's why starting from, uh, uh, starting with financial planning from a young age is really important with this respect. Right, so it's important to know, I guess, uh, through yourself or through engaging a professional advice about goal setting. Mm. Right, so what do you really want to achieve, let's say, over the short run, medium run, and long run? Mm. So what are your financial goals? For example, is it to buy a home? Is it to pay off your debt? Mm. Or is it, um, I guess, up to, to invest and save so that you have enough for your retirement? Right, so setting go those goals early will actually definitely be really helpful Right, so it also helps you with our prioritization of resources. Yeah. So for example, if you have a goal that uh, I want to save 10,000 over the next year mm -hmm. based on my current income or based on what I currently earn, right, so you then have something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. right, so you're then, uh, uh, you're then thinking about, okay, so this is my income and this is how much I need to spend on my daily expenses. Mm -hmm. So what are the amount of saving that I need to put aside in order to achieve those goals? Right, so again, right, so those are really important aspects of um, financial planning. Right, so by setting goals early, it also helps you, I guess, to review and monitor whether you are setting a goal that's too difficult or something that's too easy in a way. So for example, back to my uh, example of saving 10,000 in yes. one year, if you can do that in one or two months, it means that probably your goal is too easy. So it's not, uh, it's not something that's helpful in terms of, I guess, uh, saving for long-term financial wealth but at the same time so if you cannot manage to meet that goal it means that probably your goal is too difficult so it needs to be reviewed and monitored and at the same time your personal circumstances might have changed as well so it's important to I guess uh, reflect and see whether you're doing great mm. if so continue to do so and if not maybe think about different strategies or different yeah. ways to revise your strategy or to meet your original goal yeah, like I know when, when I talk to people um, in my line of work, um, it's interesting when someone has no financial goal mm -hmm. and they haven't set anything in place. Okay. Um, they're spending the money that they make. Mm -hmm. uh, they're happy with their with their life and they're, and they're running on. They mm -hmm. they may not even be in debt. They're just they're just you know breaking even. Okay. But because they've got no financial goals, it means that they're spending all of their money. Yeah. <laughs> because there's nothing. There's no reason not to. Do you know? I've I've got a thousand dollars savings. Well, I can go out for dinner. <laughs> I've got three thousand dollars savings. I'm going on a holiday. Yeah. I've got, and because there's no reason to put that money aside, then they just spend it. And as soon as you start giving people financial goals and say, okay, well, what do you want? Um, you know, you don't have a house. Do you want to get a house? Mm -hmm. Actually, no, I would like to get a house. Yes. You know, yeah. if you've got a house, um, you know, 
do you want to get investment property? Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Yeah. And you get them to actually start setting goals and it totally changes the way in which they do their cash flow. Yeah. Um, even from the point of view of, it was actually Hamish that, that mentioned this to me one time about um, when you finish paying off your car loan mm. or your lease or whatever it is you've, mm. you've done, um, putting that same money aside ready for the next car. Yeah. And so that when your car is 10 years old or 15 years or whatever point you say, I want to change it, you actually have the cash there to pay to pay for it in one go. There's yeah. no loan. Mm. Yeah. And it's amazing how freeing that can be for someone. That's and, right. you know, you, you bring that up to people and people are like, oh, I just never never thought about that, mm. you know. Right. So getting these goals, you know, making goals that are, like you said, achievable, um, that make you stretch, um, and they have to be measurable, don't they? Yeah. You've got to say, I want to save $400 a week yeah. or I want to save $1,000 a month or yeah. whatever it is. It has to be measurable so you yeah. can actually watch it go from there, you know? Mm. Yeah, so that's right. So it's important to make sure that those goals are measurable and actionable because, right, so if people set something that's too difficult or unrealistic, mm. they don't lose the motivation oh, you to give do up. that. Yeah, you, you give just up. give up. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. So in your research, um, has it come up at all whether um, people's understanding of the compounding effect is part of that financial literacy? Do you, do you yeah. think there's a um, – so do people generally understand what compound, compound, compounding is? Definitely in our – you know, when we calculate the financial literacy, mm. we do ask one question. We specifically actually ask them to calculate, you know, using mm-hmm. this effect. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is a bit different. If, I'm not sure if you know, because actually the Australian government, they have done a report on, you know, financial, Australian financial capability back in 2021 as well. When they ask questions, they ask more concept-based questions, which is like, oh, do you know time value of money-ish? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know your value of money will increase or decrease? Some mm-hmm. yes or no. But for us in our... So actually, we do ask them to calculate. Okay. Yeah. So I think the I don't remember the exact percentage, but we do ask this mm. question. Okay. So it's definitely covered, and it's definitely important as well. And and goal setting, like again, is that something? Because I, I I know when I went to school, nobody taught me how to set Com- goals. Oh, set goals. Or how to do compounding interest. Okay. 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 <laughs> would, would you call goal setting? Um, part of financial literacy or is it yeah so I guess uh, if you talk about let's say financial goals then of Mm. course it would be part of the uh, really important concept about financial literacy Mm. but I guess in general right so I guess um uh, as as we get into adulthood, <laughs> it is important to set goals not just for financial purposes, mm. right? So of course, right? So it can be, or mm. it can, it can be about financial literacy if it involves money, mm. uh, but it can be more uh, a more general concept yeah, about having, yeah, I guess, absolutely. a purpose mm. or a sense of purpose in life. Mm. Yeah, I tend to find if people are goal setters, they'll be goal setters in all areas of their life. Yeah. Uh, if they're not, then they'll, then they'll tend not to. Yeah. You know? So if you start talking to someone and you say, oh, what's your, what's your plan in five or ten years' time, if they, if they don't have an idea of where they're heading, uh, it'll probably be the same, both relationships and with money and with their investments and with you know, their work and with it, it tends to be right across the whole board, doesn't it? Mm. Whereas someone is really goal-orientated, they, they tend to actually know, know what they're doing and, and where they want to go. Yeah, so I guess uh, you're right that there's a correlation at least between like success and also whether they set goals because it then, I guess, uh, motivates people to do things that actually push them forward mm. towards that path or that mm. goal ultimately. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, when I, when I talk to my clients, I always say to them, um, you know, what, what's your goal? And um, let's say it's uh, let's say it's buying a house, right? Uh, they don't have anyone that can help with the deposit. They've got to get the deposit themselves. It's going to take them, I don't know how many years, Hamish, to save an average deposit these days for someone who's not going to have any financial help. Uh, look, I mean, it depends if it's a single or a couple. Couple, uh, say a couple. I would say a couple. You're talking, you know, a good hard slog for three or four years. Yep. So let's say five years. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Is is a goal? And it's saying to them, right? You know, you need to have. You know, 120, 150, 100, and whatever thousand dollars saved, you know, before you deposit, ready to go. Yeah. And then it's working backwards. It's like going, well, that's your goal in five years' time. Yeah. But how, how do we get there? Do you know where do you need to be at four years, three years, two years, one year? What do you need to be doing in the next six months? What do you need to be doing in the next three months? to actually achieve that goal. And if you start to break it down for them, it, it gets easier. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, well, let's start off by clearing our debt so we actually have the funds to be able to put aside for a deposit for a house, mm. do you know? And then, and then, you know, you, you, if you actually make that achievable and measurable and, yep. you know, people can actually start to move forward and, and see where they're going. But sometimes um, those big goals are just so big. What do I do now? It's like, yes, I, I definitely want to get a house, but they haven't thought about what the step is. Like, what's the first step? What's the second step? What's the third step? Do you know? So getting them to actually think through that can be, um, you know, quite hard for people at times. I mean, it, but it's also, it's it's understanding why we make these decisions to spend mm. money. Mm. I mean, look, look, you know, real life example today was um, I've got, and this is a fairly unusual situation, but I've got a client who earns good money. All right, and um, you know, so he's probably got a salary of about two hundred thousand dollars a year, and he um, just can't hold on to it. Mm-hmm. The money just goes. Okay. All right. So, mm-hmm. and um, and so I've put him on this, um, <laughs> you know, and this is the first time I've ever done this. This this thirty day plan where mm-hmm. every time he wants to touch his money, I've asked him to pick up the phone and give me a call. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so today I got the call and and uh, it was um, I need to take a thousand dollars out of my account. And I said, you know, what for? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't tell you, Hamish. I can't tell you. And, and he's, he's giving me permission for this. And, and of course, there was this initial, it's my money. <laughs> I know it is. But you're, you're the one that went on this this, this decision. Yes. Right? And uh, and so he said, well, I need it for this, this, and this. All right. And I said, okay, when did you make this decision? Oh, earlier on today. <laughs> 25, 26, 27 yeah. minutes ago. That's right. So, I said, okay. So have you thought about, you know, and we've, we've both used this line before, have you thought about when you said yes to making this decision, what are you saying no to? Mm. And, you know, here we are, somebody who's, you know, not 25, right? he's, he's, yeah. he's in his early 50s, yeah. going, oh, I've never thought about it like that before. Mm. Um, so I said, okay, well, you've already committed to these things, but next time... How about you take 24 hours to think about it because, you know, this is this is the behaviour that we've got to change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you're 20 and you should be buying a $15,000 car, but <laughs> the car yard will give you a $40,000 loan, so you end up driving home a $40,000 car, mm. all right? So, you know, it, it's it's those decisions to say, just because I can, should I? Yeah. Um, and trying to reflect on that. You, you've been to that before just in relation to home loans. Just because the bank will loan you $800,000 doesn't mean that you should take eight hundred thousand. Just because they will loan you $1.2 million, <laughs> you know, doesn't mean that you should take the $1.2 million. And it goes back to what you said before, Marty, about feeling 
confident that you can pay for that, yep. that you're not going to overextend your obligations, that you're not going to be under financial stress yep. because of, you know, this debt level that, you, that you've taken on. That's right. Do you know? Yep. So thinking about those financial behaviours, Marty, you know, that, um, you know, that sort of come out, you know, are there any other reflection points that you've sort of gone, oh, this was a big, um, this was an interesting learning moment for me or something that really shone out? Yeah, so I guess um, well, you have mentioned a lot about the um, behavioral problems when people face when they have mm-hmm. financial goals. Mm-hmm. Like, so they actually are, uh, are short-sighted sighted in a way that they're thinking that, okay, so I need to do all this <laughs> self-discipline over the next five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be too difficult or too tough for me to sacrifice all mm-hmm. these short-term goals. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, it's really important um, for us, I guess, as educators or for you as professionals in financial planning Mm. to be, I guess, a mental coach, Mm. mental coach in a way. So we actually need to, I guess, um, I guess, tell people about uh, the importance of those goals and what they need to change in terms of their behaviors in order to achieve these goals. Right. So one example would be, um, I'm not sure whether you guys uh, help your client with uh, investment in stock market, for Mm -hmm. example. We know that uh, stock market fluctuates every day, right? <laughs> so that's the only certainty about short market, right? So even though we know that long run stock market tends to increase in prices mm-hmm. or companies tend to pay, uh, I guess, overall good dividends over the long run, right? So you might get a phone call, let's say, from one of your clients that say, hang on, so what do I do today? And so the share market has dropped by 3%, mm-hmm. right? So uh, is, it a, is it time to cash out or is it time to escape from this risky investment? So that's the uh, time about behaviors or discipline that we probably need to, I guess, instill in people that it's not just about one or two day gain. Right? So you're investing for the next, let's say, 10 years or 20 years. Right? So we should not be that concerned about those short term, I guess, um, uh, fragility or short term fluctuation in the share market because that's not your goal. You're not going to retire and take your money in the next day or two. Mm. And look, I, I had a conversation just recently. My, my, my background on my professional is, is property. And someone's talking to me and saying, Yeah, look, I, you know, I do want to buy a house, but I'm thinking I won't, I won't buy it at the moment because interest rates are too high. Mm. And I said, Look, interest rates are high. And I really think you should talk to your account and talk to a mortgage broker and get some advice. But have you thought about it this way? Over 30 years, mm-hmm. radio, will interest rates go down? Yes. yes. Will interest rates go up? Yes. Yes. So someone who purchased a house a year or two ago at 1.7% interest and was feeling over the moon and they could totally make their repayments, <laughs> they're hurting right now. Exactly. They're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Whereas if you choose to purchase your house now, you, you're purchasing it at in the current, you know, last decade or two, it's a, it's a high interest rate environment. So you're you're really accepting that that weight. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now over time it's going to go down. Yep. And then over time it's going to go back up again. It's going to go down. But really I think when you purchase property for instance in a high interest rate environment, you're actually acknowledging what the cost is more so than someone who purchases it in a really low interest rate environment. And I'm sure, Hamish, you're finding that a lot at the moment. Yeah, you'll be getting phone calls all the time. Mm, Yeah, quite a few. Mm. Yeah, people just not used to it because it's it's, it's been 12, 13 years since since we've had rates at this sort of level. So as they talk about in the market, you know, there's a whole generation of people that have never seen um, interest rates like this, whereas... You know, I guess it's 22 years for me. So this is probably the third time we've seen rates at this sort of level. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I recall that back in 1980s and mid 1990s, interest rate were double digits at that time. Yes. So I guess 
possible. So I guess、uh, that's I guess an encouragement for people nowadays that we have not reached that stage yet.、Mm-hmm. So if you have no problem paying high interest right now, so probably you would be able to pay when it gets lower. Yeah, that's right. That's、yeah. right. Matter of fact, going back on on your comment with your with your friend who who asked you to、um, keep him accountable,、mm-hmm. um, I knew someone who.、Um, Him and his partner found it impossible not to just purchase something. They just knew that they were just they were just terrible. If they saw something, they wanted to buy it.、Okay. So they ended up putting their credit card、um, in a in a four liter ice cream bucket and freezing it <laughs> in the freezer. And if they wanted to purchase something, they would take it out of the freezer and sit it on the table. And it would take two days <laughs> to defrost it, and the whole that that was their whole thing was to go. We've got two、okay. days to decide: Do we really want this lounge? Do we really want this car? Do I really want this computer? Do I really want this? And I, look, I mean, you know, it's over the top, but it was very effective for them to be able to, you know, go through that. But I wanted to ask you: We we started at the very beginning of the of the podcast talking about how I found it interesting that financial literacy. I knew that that was important. And I knew that we needed to increase financial literacy, particularly in younger people. But I found that when the report talked about the behaviours, was what I found interesting. That it wasn't just the fact that you had knowledge; you actually have to enact on that knowledge. You actually have to do something. So, what are the sort of behaviours、um, for, for both? This is a question for both of you. What are the really good financial behaviours that people should be、um, doing to be able to, you know, increase their wealth and increase their confidence, increase their well-being, their lifestyle、yep. over time? I can go first. Yes, yes, please go. And, and then you can add more. Yeah, I think, but it's definitely coming from a personal perspective. I、yep. think also for different people, they're willing to put like take different level of risk, as we already mentioned in the beginning.、Mm. In this, do like this results showing that potentially some people are more likely to be risk takers compared to others, and I'm more definitely on the more conservative side. Okay, so I think my advice is more starting from I think、uh, you guys touch on like in terms of spending and things like for one of the things I do is why when I have income I'm, I earn money it's not for the purpose of paying bill and just expenses. And for me, saving is a habit like a lifetime、mm. habit. So actually, you know. I started knowing this when I was really young.、Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, I already actually put in my for my tuition fee for university. I put into the bank for deposit, a fixed deposit. Back then, it's eight percent in Australia、mm-hmm. interest. So I got quite thousands、mm-hmm. of interest back for my <laughs> pay tuition fee. So I think actually, so you can see that actually when you start to know how to do saving things like that, it will be really good for your. Financial well-being in terms of a long run, I think definitely the first thing is, it's well when you have saving in your bank account, it actually give you more confidence when you're facing uncertainties because we know in the current world there's like, uncertainty is like increasing every day, so that's why I think that's definitely one thing. And you guys have been helping a lot of clients about that. And also, I think next thing, second thing is definitely I think like when you go. We always we will be using credit card. It's a very good financial leverage, right? But for me, I will never. I will. I will try not to spend things beyond my ability. No. So for me personally, I will not buy something which is over. You know, more than my current saving account balance.、Mm. You know, that's just my my kind of measurement.、Mm. But that explains my point, I think. And the last one I want to give is more not related just to the kind of bank account balance. 
So we know that we can increase our wealth, but also in terms of financial well-being or life satisfactions, I think it's not only about the bank balance. We know the first thing, definitely, we don't want to get into this hardship. We talk about this mm. obligation which can't pay. This is the first step, definitely. So we need this knowledge and changing behavior, good habits to help us to not get into debt, like this kind of hard situation. But on the other side, why for... Um, like a general person that when you start to accumulate your wealth for me I think that um, eventually there's no amount of money will give me the ultimate I don't know full life satisfaction mm -hmm. so that's why I think one thing I will value quite more is like I think I will be advised to be quite gen to be generous to like to like, to be generous in terms of like your finance or your money so it's something I think I think it's good for my financial health so because I do feel that as when I help people like when I give actually I do feel the joy like of being able to bless someone else and this actually increase my financial well-being and even life satisfaction mm. so that's my mm. advice mm. so maybe anything you want to add on Mari? Yeah sure so I think Kelly have covered a couple of good points so I, I want to stress the importance of I guess budgeting again it's really important to budget and at least to know right, so where your money is coming from and mm. where do you spend your money mm. so so that you have uh, some sense of purpose and know what to do with your money for better financial well-being over the long run mm. and one point that is also really important is about how you manage your risk in terms of insurance so mm. some people will say that oh I don't need insurance because I don't need to prepare for a rainy day. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So insurance is actually really important because COVID will never happen. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes that's right. So that's why it's really important to I guess manage your downside risk through purchase of insurance. Like this could be let's say a life insurance, disability, mm -hmm. or property insurance. If you do, uh, if you do, uh, if you are a um, I guess landlord. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. And last point that I want to mention, of course, right, so we all have different behaviors, uh, but it's really, I think um, behaviors is really a big part about having greater financial well-being and satisfaction. Uh, so, uh, so I'm not sure whether you guys are big sports fans, right? So for example, <laughs> in tennis, everyone can hit forehand well, everyone can hit backhand well, but it's actually the mental part, the behavioral part that's really important. Hmm. So I would imagine that it's the same for financial well-being, right? So if you don't have the, I guess, behaviors or the motivation or self-discipline to achieve your long-term goals, that is something that's going to be quite difficult hmm. to achieve. So well, like, you know, keeping your motivation high, keeping yes. your goals, you know, in front of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So Hamish, was, was there any other ones you wanted to add to that? Or? Uh, no. Yep. So Hamish, did you have any other behavioural goals that you sort of think or behavioural uh, aspects that you think are important for people to, to take on? Yeah, so the first just little comment. So your first point, um, Cathy, that you made, the line that I use at work is save then spend, don't spend then save. <laughs> yeah. All right, so which is it's a bit of a tongue twister, but it, it does sort of capture what you were saying well. And I think, um, you know, Marty, you know, that tennis analogy for me, it's that it's that mental resilience mm -hmm. to stay on path and not let um, things distract you. All right, so um, I think for me, one of the things that you know, and I don't know if, if any of you have seen this movie, but we've we've heard the phrase "keeping up with the Joneses." All right, mm. so and there's actually a movie called "Keeping Up with the Joneses" that was probably okay. 10, 15 years ago, and it was all about this family that um, was paid right to come together by big companies to promote mm. sports cars 
golfing wear, all right, okay. that sort of thing. So they weren't really a family. They were a makeup family. Oh. They, and they'd go and move into a suburb mm. and then they'd promote all of this flashy stuff, yes. get all of the people around mm. them to say, well, I want that, mm. right, and spend up. Mm. And then they'd move them on to the next suburb, mm. right? So, and I think, you know, and possibly it's a little bit related to young people as well, this almost this Glamorous. false expectation yes. that mm. um, I, I, I can't have a $10,000 car, I've got to have a $40,000 car mm. or, you know, or, or whether it comes with clothes or whether mm. it comes with, you know, whatever it happens to be. It's really, I think, trying to say, okay, what does um, reasonable look like? Like what does a balanced expenditure look like where I'm, I'm getting a bit of time off, I'm going on the odd holiday but I'm not being too extravagant. I've got yeah. a safe car, not a luxury car. I've got clothes on my body, right? They might not be country road or Yves Saint Laurent or whatever but, you know, yeah. I look respectable. So it's, it's finding that balance. Um, which, you know, I think is with, with marketing and the world that we've got today, social media, it's very, very hard yeah. to mm. keep that balance in place. Yeah. Mm. I think for me as well it's, it's that, and we've talked about it through this whole podcast, is actually um, increasing your financial literacy over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so often we go to school and we go, oh, that's it, I'm, I'm done, I don't need to learn anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you go to uni and you say, oh, I'm done, I don't need to learn anymore. Um, we do like it though when we find out that our, our, our doctors or our other professionals continue to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to learn and grow, you know, throughout their professional life. But sometimes we don't actually put that on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that idea of, of that concept of being... Um, you know, continue to learn, yeah. continue to to read and to actually um, grow your financial knowledge. If you don't know how to do compound interest, then learn how to do it. We've got the internet. <laughs> we can yes. do it. Yes. It isn't that hard to work out, do you know what I mean? Um, if you don't understand, uh, you know, what the cost is going to be for a, a home loan, then, then, then go and look it up find out it's it's not that hard to find out either again through the internet or through through a professional but i think really um increasing that financial literacy is such such an important you know sort of aspect so i'm going to go over it okay i've written i've written them down mm-hmm. i've written down everything we've said so number one was um create savings as a habit mm-hmm. right number two i've combined the two of yours so number two it is um uh save then spend Okay. So, in other words, don't go buying credit cards, off credit cards, but actually spend what you've what you've saved. Yeah. Uh, number three was don't get into debt above that which you can pay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So whether that's you know for a mortgage or whether it's for a you know buying a car. Yeah. You know. Uh, number four, be generous. <laughs> In your finances, because it actually helps you uh, in your financial health and your financial well-being to be a person who is generous. Uh, be budget and know your cash flow. Yeah. And um, I actually find in, in in the job that I do a lot uh, when I talk to people. When people see what they spend, uh, when they get a, a direct feed from their bank and they can actually see what they spend, yeah. it's amazing how often, how surprised they are. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They say, oh, I don't spend more than $400 a month on eating out. <laughs> and then when it comes back as $1,000 a month, they're like, oh, I know where, I know where my money's going to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so number six, uh, manage risk. I really like that one. Mm. So insurance. Um, I never forget the first time I realised when I was uh, working as a sole trader, I was a, as a sole business per- yeah. small business person, when I realised there was a thing out there that I could actually have insurance that would yeah. cover it if I got injured or had a problem or, do you know what I mean, that my family would be looked after. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You get the right finance, get the right financial advisor to show you what insurance you can have is is really good. So I like that. So manage your risk. Uh, number seven, uh, create good financial goals, stay motivated and stay focused to mm-hmm. them. Uh, number eight, 
was to uh, increase your financial literacy. So to, to keep on, um, you know, learning as a, as a life skill. Did I miss anything? I think you covered all. Mm, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. It's yep. pretty good. Mm. So look, as we head to the end of our podcast, I did want to ask you. We um, we ask all of our um, all of our guests a couple of questions. Okay. But um, uh, in in regards to the report that you did, was there anything in particular, Kathy, that you like? What did you find to be the most interesting thing for you, like as a conclusion when you when you wrapped up with it? So I think when I covered it more in the beginning, I think in the broadcast is I may have something which I can say to more maybe young women, young women yeah. men, yes. but more about women. So I think I, what I do want to encourage them is actually maybe they don't realize that much. They have been actually, they are able to, you know, do well yes. in terms of finance, what they need to do definitely. Like, can They can get, try their help to get to more like, knowledge and this way will increase their confidence and mm-hmm. they have been actually on the right track and so they Already. should have the confidence of the yes, men. Yeah. That's right. And then in the long run, they can reap a harvest. You can reap a harvest. Mm, yeah. But then for the young men, maybe, I think the one line I might want to say is discipline. Maybe it's more important <laughs> than just obtaining knowledge. That's what I want to say. <laughs> That's why maybe they need some like good role model. I think I'm not sure if I'm correct because... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think role model is very important, especially yeah. for men, like mm. in terms of like that figure. Oh, totally. So mm. for you, like like you guys, maybe like here for help my wells, maybe will be some a good help mm. in terms of mm. you know because maybe not for everyone in their family. Well, men family have this kind of skills or whatever that able to be financially give them a role model good mm. role model so that's why they might need someone they can look up to and then kind of guide them through when they still um even though they can be older but they in terms of finance they're still like babies yeah so they can guide them through this journey and this might be helpful mm. to, i think mentoring yeah. is is so yeah. important i mean hamish and i've discussed it before yeah. both of us have you know a mentor that that that, that we actually pay do you know what I mean? It's it's not like a, a Uncle Bob down the road who who's good at who's good at finances or something. You know, and and we actually value that. And it's funny how often we get professionals come in here that actually say, uh, you know, you need to have a mentor. And like I remember when we talked to you know Grant Hackett, one of the things I found most interesting was he'd be saying, no one would ever say from a sports point of view that uh, you shouldn't have a coach. You wouldn't, you know, if there was a, if there was a number one athlete in the world and he didn't have a coach, you you wouldn't be going, oh, you don't need a coach. No. No, you don't need a coach. You're, you're, you know, you're doing really well. They'll be going, no, you need a coach and a manager and a, and a strapper and a this and a that and a, you know whatever else. And then when it comes to our normal life, we're like, nah, we can, I can do it myself. That's right. Yeah, I've got Uncle Bob down the road. My cousin Billy's really clever. Just sorry to Uncle Bob. So, so if there are any Uncle Bobs out there, this is or cousin Billy. This is not a you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, thank you so much for coming, guys. Um, really appreciate your time. Yeah. But we do ask all of our guests a couple of questions. So, um, <laughs> Kathy, yes, what would you? What advice would you give your eighteen-year-old self? <laughs> um, if you um, could go back to eighteen, what would you tell her? Um, I think I I actually that's a question which. I haven't thought for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I think mm, maybe to learn to be 
like how to say a little bit maybe like how to say and it's not everything that you do you can like I know the life is not perfect but back then mm-hmm. I don't think like this way so you don't have to be like num- like good at everything because mm. you may at when we're young we tend to be especially maybe for me because I feel like it's quite easy uh, how to say you kind of need to want to do everything well mm-hmm. you just want to be good at most of the things but then through our life it's quite like in possible that you will will have hurdles everybody Mm. will have trials in life but actually that's where you learned and Mm -hmm. then it can become a black thing to you but back then i definitely won't be thinking it this way (laughs) i want to be maybe just like smooth ride will be good (laughs) never experience anything which is too hard not say too hard i i can manage these things something like that but then but at the same time it's actually even when there's hurdles okay yeah and then Yes, yeah, you, we will be able to have the support and help and then to go through this journey. Mm-hmm. And the other question we always ask is, if you had to write a book, what would your yes. book be? Uh, what would you call it? What would it be about? To be honest, I don't think I'm the person that we, we, I will be writing a book. I'm, I think I might be more tend to try to do maybe if like it's more like an article or yes. some presentations. That's something I'm more willing to do. And then, because I think for me, I do still back to the topic, I do want to maybe encourage, especially the, you know, these young like girls like in Australia to mm. actually start to learn more about like knowledge about the fin- like, finance and numbers and account and not account like finance and also like these skills financial skills because it will be quite helpful to them mm. in the long run so that's why if I have the opportunity to do these things I will be willing to do it yeah I was gonna say I have listened to you talk and I can, I can hear your passion for women uh, and particularly to say to them uh, you know you've got this so yes. you know maybe that can be the title for your book <laughs> you know, women you've got this okay. you can do it because <laughs> okay. I think I think what you're saying is really interesting that there's a lot of um, you know women out there who don't feel like they're doing yeah. well but they actually are yes. you know their male counterparts are saying I'm doing great yeah I know all the knowledge I've got all the knowledge don't look at me I'm, I'm fantastic <laughs> Uh, but in reality, they're doing better, yes. you know, so, so it's really good. Well, Maria, I won't ask you because we're going to ask you uh, next time we catch up with you, so I won't get you to repeat yourself again. Yes. But, look, thank you both so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed, um, you know, you sharing about the financial well-being and life satisfaction report, um, and it was actually just great to read that. I, I got a lot of, a lot from that, yeah. so so we really appreciate it. But um, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be here. Great. Well, guys, everyone out there uh, that are listening, just want to thank you all for tuning in again. Uh, This has been a Popmore Wealth podcast, Money Rules, Money Rules, and as always, we're here to try to empower your financial future, and we've done that today by talking to Dr. Kathy and Dr. Barney, and I hope that has been helpful for you. Thank you, and uh, bye for now. See you later. discussed by the Help My Wealth and the Money Rules, Money Rules podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is generally nature and it is not advice. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. It is aimed to provide a general understanding of each topic and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. 
It is strongly suggested that you seek professional advice regarding your own individual circumstances before making a financial decision. Help My Wealth and the hosts of the Money Rules and Money Rules podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. In the spirit of reconciliation, Help My Wealth and the Money Rules or Money Rules podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to past, present and emerging elders. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Thank you.